0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 222. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? Good, good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about some more films that screened at this year's Japan Cuts Festival, with reviews of Shien Sono's Love and Peace, Gakuryu Ishii's Bitter Honey, and Yuku Nakamura's A Room of Her Own. We'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases... Let's, uh, I don't have any news this week. No so, news? No, I was thinking we could just dive dive right into these Japan cuts. You could do some deep cuts here. Let's do it. I always want to say Japanese cuts for some reason. Yeah.
1: Japan cuts just seems really awkward to me.
0: It does. Uh, my my first instinct is to also just say Jap- Japanese cuts. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking we could just start with love and peace. Just, oh, we're just going straight to the Sono. Yeah, because that's uh-huh. just the first one that I mentioned, and it's the first one I have up on my screen here, so this is directed by Sien Sono. I have a synopsis here. A man who once dreamed of becoming a punk rocker is working as a low salaryman at a musical instrument parts company. He's secretly in love with his colleague. One day, he finds a little turtle on the rooftop, naming it Picodon. Hmm. <laughs> It's a
1: little, I like how they like, he finds a little turtle on the rooftop. Doesn't
0: he buy it? He buys yeah, it. Yeah. He buys it. It's, it's
1: like a turtle. There's a turtle salesman, yeah. a little turtle salesman on the roof where I guess is where they have their lunch. Mm-hmm. Seems like a little roof rooftop lunch area. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to buy a turtle. This turtle's my friend now. And then he plays with that turtle for like five hours. And then.
0: And then flushes it down the goddamn toilet like an idiot. Yeah. Just because he fucking takes it to work,
1: <laughs> and like he's picked on constantly, mercilessly. He's, he is a ridiculous character in the beginning. It's like I, he's he's like constantly on the verge of shitting himself for some reason, mm-hmm. and, and crying. For, yeah, and for whatever reason, he that like doesn't get that like checked out. Like he doesn't go to a doctor for it because the, there's no way you should be in that much, you know. Abdominal pain.
0: Not that much distress. <laughs>
1: We're like twenty-four. Yeah, he's like he's crying. I think because he's going to shit himself. I don't know. He's uh... just, with all that being said, you would think like once you got this turtle and you grew really attached to it, maybe taking it to work is not a good idea because you know that they're going to some you point shit in for time. It. Yeah, at some point in time, like you can't keep a turtle under wraps every day day in, day out. Someone's going to find out about this turtle, and then they're going to let you fucking have it. <laughs> and it happened the first day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how did he not foresee that happening? And it just, it seems kind of odd that he just jumped straight to flushing it down I know. the toilet. Like, just keep it at home from there on out. Yeah, just leave and take it home. Don't. And then just be like, you know what? Not bringing it into work anymore. Probably not a good idea.
0: Hmm. <laughs> so he flushes it down the toilet, And it ends up in uh, this sort of Island of Misfit Toys scenario where it's a bunch of discarded toys and pets and things, but they can all talk and they're all Mm -hmm. alive Mm -hmm. because a a seemingly homeless man, who is clearly an alcoholic, (laughs) uh, feeds them candy that allows them to talk. And he attempts to feed the turtle, this talking candy but he feeds it wishing candy instead
1: oh that's a mistake that happens a lot too though
0: so so now instead of but it i don't i don't quite get that so it's like the 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 owner his wishes start to come true is it the turtle granting the wishes or is it the turtle who wishes for his owner to be successful yeah i never quite understood that either and how how is it? Because guess, this turtle has a shit life from beginning to end of this movie,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and it's like I just don't really understand. It's like this guy's got everything going for him. He flushed the turtle down the toilet. He deserves nothing.
1: Yeah, that's why I don't know who it, whose dreams are coming true here. Well, obviously it's his, but like you said, is it is the turtle getting something out of this? Yeah, is it the tur like the turtle has become like a genie now where he's able to
0: make wishes come true and for some reason every time he grants a wish he grows like exponentially and he gets bigger.
1: Yeah, yeah. which it, apparently there's a huge downside to. And it just it's from the sound of it, why does this drunk sewer man have these wishing candies? Cuz it doesn't seem like they that he uses them often. And it seems like there's a lot of downsides to yeah, him yeah. that he doesn't use them. So why does he keep making them? Like, stop making them, sewer man.
0: Well, when when his identity is revealed at the end, that, that kind, kind of, of fun. that kind of explains <laughs> some of this stuff.
1: It's kind of funny too. But
0: by the time <laughs> <laughs> too like to think, of, <laughs> it is funny to think of him as a drunk, yeah. drunk sewer. Yeah. At the end, uh, by that point, I was uh, when, when when his identity re- was revealed. I was already so tuned out. I was like, All right. "All
1: right, well, yeah, let's 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 actually like start getting into this movie a little bit more." You know, criticizing it because I felt the exact same way. It is there's really not a whole lot going on with this film, and a lot of it is extremely familiar. Number one, like the whole the the, the owner like his wishes coming true it follows the normal Mm -hmm. trajectory of like he starts out where he's a misfit and he's in love with this girl and then he starts being successful and he fucking pushes everyone off to the side and it becomes an egomaniac like we haven't seen that how many times yeah yeah it's essentially like every behind the music vh1 special ever and you say you have that's like half of it and then the other half is the turtle being down in the sewer where like you said, it's like the Island of Misfit toys where it's just there's not a whole lot
0: going on down there. Nah, yeah, it's 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 uh they don't really there's just nothing they're just they don't really talk you, about anything. There's just nothing of substance down there other than the fact that it's it's a cool visual to see all these like puppets and, and things moving around and all these animals and stuff like I thought that was cool but it was uh more than anything I was just annoyed like I, f- I found many many things in this movie to be very grating um well,
1: it's they spend so much time down there but you're right there's like there's no su- it doesn't really add anything to the film we keep spending all this time with these talking toys
0: yeah but they it, but it's like they don't really talk about anything it's like just it's all pointless no, they
1: just keep reiterating the same things. Yeah, some of
0: them like, want to leave, like, some of them want to stay. What, what, am I going to leave, or are we going to stay, or what's going on here?
1: Yeah, and, Sul- like,
0: and Sulky just hates yeah. everybody.
1: Yeah, it's like, I just don't give a shit. I just don't really care. And then it gets kind of interesting where Pekinon kind of escapes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be a whole thing now, like we got we got a different film going on here, and it's only different for, like, five and minutes. And he leaves, and, <laughs> and then it goes back. <laughs> and then it goes back to the same thing. It's like, how does Pikachu know how to navigate the city? Like, he's a turtle. How does he, does he have GPS? Like, how uh, does he magical. get back to...
0: He's magical. He knows.
1: It's just, oh, my God. This movie goes on and on. It honestly felt, it felt like it took me, like, seven days to watch this thing.
0: Probably because never... probably because you didn't like it. Well, it's just <laughs> when, you, when you don't like a movie, it tends to feel longer. But yes, this movie it's just under two hours, and uh, the length it, you feel that length.
1: It's just when you really boil it down, like what happened. Right. Like, uh, he gets picked on, he flashes his turtle down. Turtle gets powered, and then he becomes like pretty successful. That's it. It's like wow, two hours for that.
0: Yeah I think they definitely could have trimmed this down by at least 30 minutes I mean this is a family film and I think And most family films are pretty short in length I think for this reason it's that you can't take a lot Like I couldn't I couldn't take any more of this It was just so annoying It was just <laughs> grating on me Especially the turtle peek it on every
1: time he talked Or whatever it just made his noises or whatever
0: I thought he's I like, thought most shut. most of the characters were extremely annoying. Like I was, just, I, did, I was annoyed by almost
1: everyone. I did find the main character, the, the the salary man. I did find him quite quite funny in the beginning, especially when he gets Pikachu and he just starts freaking out in his house. And he's so damn excited.
0: Yeah, I mean it was okay, I guess. But then he yeah,
1: became, he just became like a you know, like I said, so familiar where he's. He gets a little bit of success, and then he pushes everyone off to the side, and becomes self-centered. She's like, "Whoa, we know exactly where this is going."
0: They also overplayed that uh, fucking song. That song, that that one from Clockwork Orange. I think that was from the Clockwork Orange, right? Pretty sure. know. It no. it's just oh god. But they the just only played thing, it over and did, over again.
1: The only thing that I could honestly that I was impressed with was Piccadel. Like when he grew, I was like, "Yeah, good work."
0: I, I like good, yeah, good I, prop work. I, I liked some of the, I liked some of the the prop work and the the effects work. Uh, I thought when Picadon got significantly bigger, it wasn't as good because the first time he grew a little bit, I thought that the modeling and the the puppetry still looked pretty good, but then when he got really big, it didn't look as good. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, especially when he was s- small size, because they mixed in using a real turtle and using a fake turtle, and th- it was pretty seamless. Like, like I liked the scene when he was f- when he first got flushed and was floating through the sewer. Mm-hmm. Like that was a cool scene. Although for some reason, I don't know if you noticed this, but Sono oddly slowed down one part of it to like slow yeah. motion for some reason for like. 4 seconds and then sped it back up and I don't quite know why he did that.
1: He was probably drunk. <laughs>
0: probably. But uh yeah, I mean the 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 puppetry for me was really hit or miss cuz like it I don't think it was supposed to look high tech state of the art real or anything like but I mean, I look kind of some of it looked kind of silly. But I think that this is I mean, I guess this is a kid's movie. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know if this is supposed to be a kid's movie or not. I like in some respects, it's a Christmas film.
1: Yeah. But in, and then the thing, too, is when you... If you were to kind of, like, explain what happens in this film to someone, like, if you're on the receiving end of it, you're thinking in your head, like, this sounds ridiculous. Like, this sounds just so... I have to see this cuz it just sounds so off the wall. But actually watching this thing it's, it's so unbelievably boring. It's
0: it's funny because uh there's a lot of Japanese films that are like family friendly or or more geared towards younger viewers and I feel the same way. Like Jellyfish Eyes, I felt the, that way. Assassination Classroom, I felt that way. And it was just like I, I don't know, maybe I just am not that into the lighter Japanese comedy family yeah. movies. I think they're just not for me because I don't, I just, I just I don't just find not. them. I don't find them particularly fun. It felt like a, it felt like an anime to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, where everybody th- was very exaggerated and animated throughout. It's
1: just how how do you have something so off the wall and, and just render it completely uninteresting.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: And just familiar too, which is just I mean that's kind of a feat to have a movie about a guy buying a rooftop turtle who grants that, him wishes. <laughs> who grants him wishes and lives with other talking animals and toys and makes him a mega superstar pop artist and then just continues to grow in si- size
0: and then it just it all feels really familiar.
1: <laughs> Like how did you do that? That's kind of impressive. Yeah,
0: yeah. I did notice there was uh there's a little Suicide Circle Easter egg in there. One of the songs that they sang was one of the songs from uh, Suicide Circle. Oh was it? Yeah, the the pop the pop group that was in Suicide Circle, you know, the girls. Yeah. Uh I can't remember their name, but one of the songs that they sing, uh, Revolution Q or whatever, <laughs> is that what their name? Yeah. Uh, they, they sang it in this. So I thought that was interesting. Nice little Easter egg. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I, can't really, uh, I can't really recommend Love and Peace. No, me either. All right. Let's go ahead and give this thing a score. Kevin, what are you going to give Love and Peace? Uh, Four. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Uh, so let's move on. Which one do you want to talk about next? It's your call. I picked the first and you can pick the second one.
1: Let's, let's keep it with the ridiculousness and go with Bitter Honey. Oh, <laughs> God.
0: Oh, Bitter Honey.
1: Because <laughs> instead, instead of a turtle, we'll move <laughs> into we'll the move area of goldfish. goldfish.
0: Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> bitter Honey, directed by Gakuryu Ishii. Uh, this, I have a synopsis here. Akago is a red goldfish able to change into a girl. She possesses a pure and sensuous side. She lives with an old male writer whom she calls Oji-sama. One day, the ghost of Yuriko, Tamora, appears. She is a woman the writer knew in the past. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. I bet you have so many questions about this movie. (laughs) I I think I still have questions about this movie.
1: So it. The main reason I picked this one is because of reading the synopsis. She's a red goldfish. What is changing to a girl? And I was like, so... I would like to see what you do with that.
0: Uh, All right. Well, Kevin, what would you think of Bitter Honey?
1: (laughs) I don't know fucking (laughs) clue. I don't know what this is. Mm. I was just... I was so perplexed the entire time. It's so bizarre. Um, Because I can't figure out like what like what he's trying to say with goldfish. I think,
0: it, I think the the goldfish was like his muse. And I, th- yeah. I think it was about this. It was, so the writer, he's an, he's an old man. He's nearing the end of his life. He is kind of looking back at his life. He, he's, he's scared of dying. He wants to hold on to his youth. And it's just him kind of, uh, trying to deal with, getting old and at first this movie kind of reminded me of a Woody Allen film like the just the, the premise the music everything it had this kind of light Woody Allen vibe to it for me it, it changes it later weird. on. weird but
1: if, it's kind of all over the place
0: it is yeah especially like when the ghost appears and the whole uh the mating, the mating thing <laughs>
1: Well, oh man, because yeah, I, and I was kind of thinking that too. I was like, okay, he, you know, this is clearly she's a muse, and that's kind of what what he's commenting on, I guess. But then it takes this weird turn where the you know the ghost shows up, and then the goldfish gets the idea that they should become lovers, and then the the way in which they become lovers is very bizarre. Because I'm still I'm still not a hundred percent sure I understand. No, I. What they do outside of, I think he just swallows her whole. I think that's what it is. Yeah, and then she comes out. I don't know how she comes out though. <laughs> I don't that's know. what scares me.
0: Because there's several times where she talked about letting letting him swallow her. I yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and then she always does that dance thing. And then there's always the sound effects that like the. The watery, don't know, the like, yeah, the like water, dry, yeah, the splashing with like little green bells and stuff, and it's just, I, th- and then <clears throat> with with the ghost and everything that happens there, then it kind of switches where it seems like it just it goes down this road where it's like not really about her being amused; it's more about him being like this dirty old man that can't be trusted, and he has the love, you know. I guess lovers.
0: Yeah, he's a womanizer, and I think maybe he's regretting that aspect of his life.
1: Maybe I yeah, I have no idea. To be quite honest, I just I don't know. I don't get it. And then she's wants to get pregnant as a goldfish, but it's as well, I don't. I'm just so confused. Yeah, it's so bizarre. and and a lot of times the thing that got me. 'Cause at first it's just it's silly. It's just so damn silly. And I could I could be okay with that if we had that the whole way through. I could just be you know, just I'll just hitch along and be like, this is just complete silliness, let's do it. But it gets so damn serious. hmm Yeah. Like extremely serious. And I'm like, she's a fucking goldfish. What I don't understand what we're doing.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a bizarre little movie. I think um it it takes place in the past which is something i didn't even figure out until much much later in the, in the movie i don't even know when it takes place i'm guessing that maybe the 70s i have no idea because he tells a story at one point about uh that took place in the 20s and he was younger he was like maybe in his 20s and it was like 1924 that he was telling this story so i'm guessing that maybe the the film takes place sometime in the 70s it looks old like it looks the, the the i don't know if it was meant to look old but it has kind of a dated look to it
1: mhm and i mean i will say that he does some really interesting things and in just the like the execution of this yeah, movie yeah there
0: was uh there was one scene i liked a lot when she went back to the goldfish cellar.
1: yeah and they do the 360 yeah, like they it's were just doing like the... swinging around yeah
0: I liked that scene. I thought that was that was a nice little visual flair and then also the scene, the mating scene when she, when she was out. Uh I think it was in the rain. Was it raining in that scene? I think so. I, I just remember it being I'm I'm a little I'm like a week removed from this. So, I just remember that visual being really kind of striking. And I like how they visualized her being a goldfish too with like kind of the flowing red dress that was her tail and everything yeah yeah like i thought that was kind of cool but the film as a whole i i really didn't get much from it like i just i just i didn't really like it that much at all like i i thought it was pretty dull um yeah and this is another one that i felt like it kind of overstayed its welcome
1: oh it sure did and i think that is mostly because uh, well at least for me is because it takes that shift into yeah,
0: exactly it's just like it just becomes so damn serious yeah because i was i was embracing the silliness i enjoyed like the the upbeat music and like i said it had kind of at least for me like a like a woody allen vibe to it where there's this crotchety old man who's in love with this uh like nubile younger woman and it's also also a goldfish who happens to be a goldfish it's just a silly it's a silly thing and she's like inspiring him to write and everything and it has this kind of light tone but then yes it does get very serious and that tone gets brought down and then that's when it loses me
1: yeah because then the ghost shows up and you're just like oh shit we're adding a ghost to this too like bless you this is (laughs) this is ridiculous i didn't know we could take it to that level but let's do it and then yeah just pure pure seriousness which is odd because then like the last however many bits, just that dance them dancing to that song mm-hmm. where she does her little goldfish dance and it's just like what the fuck did i just watch
0: mm-hmm. what is
1: this like I guess my main takeaway is that Japanese men are are weird and dirty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely and, pervs,
1: and they'll, they'll fetishize anything. Yeah, even a cold fish.
0: <laughs> yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, this was this was a weird one. This is a bizarre little movie. Um, I I think I liked this one. Well, I know I liked this one more than bitter than uh, than the last one. Love what, and peace.
1: Love, I think. It, for me, it's kind of the—they're kind of the same.
0: It is kind of weird how I don't know. Like if you were, there, are, ask, there definitely are similarities between the two.
1: Like if you if you told me that today I had to rewatch one of these, that was the only film I could watch today. I don't know if I could decide. I think I would have just had to like toss a coin. Bitter Cause honey because it's could, shorter. Yeah, I guess I would go with bitter honey because then I could get it over with and get. Like get on with your life, get on with my life, and get like errands done and stuff. Yeah. Uh. All right. So I guess yeah. I guess bitter honey wins out by
0: being shorter. I think bitter honey's more thought provoking too, in a way. Like I think that they're cause
1: Well, at, at, yeah, like, I guess because it's not at least it's not you know familiar like Love in pieces, right? Because bitter honey's just I, honestly, it's have you ever seen a movie like this? <laughs> No, or heard of? Like, is there another movie that's even close to being like this? I'm, I'm actually like very curious. I don't know if maybe there's like a whole thing in Japan where there's Japanese movies about women being goldfish.
0: I, I I, I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) I think this is definitely a one of a kind film.
1: (laughs) There's a part of me that hopes so, and then there's another part of me that hopes that there's like a whole genre of. Girls being goldfish that dates back to like the 30s, like it's been around forever, and we just haven't seen them yet. And they'll start being released by Criterion in the next couple of years. Goldfish series.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, bitter honey. Uh, I guess I'll give this one. I, I, I liked it a little bit more than than Love and Peace, but I think I'm still gonna give this one a four and a half.
1: I think I might give it, like, a four and a half, which equates to, like, a really emphatic shoulder shrug. Yeah. Because I I just don't know what the fuck this is.
0: Because, like, I was thinking five, because that's, like, right down the middle, but I just, there's no way I would ever watch this again. I would never recommend it to anybody. No. And it's just, eh, meh.
1: This is going to end up being one of those films that when you're bored one day, and you're just kind of, like, flipping through pages of, your letterbox films and you see the posters and you're just gonna see this one and be like
0: what the fuck is that <laughs> I
1: don't remember watching that
0: uh, and you're gonna click on it and be like oh yeah the goldfish one um,
1: yeah the goldfish that's right
0: alright so that's uh, Bitter Honey let's move on and talk about our last uh, Japan cuts movie um, we're talking about A Room of Her Own Ryan Naito and Light that's the full title yeah, This is uh, directed by Yuko Nakamura. Uh, I have a synopsis here. On an island in the Seto Inland Sea, the, the Tashima Art Museum integrates the serene seaside environment with an architectural structure by Ru Nishizawa and the artwork Matrix by Ri Naito. The remote museum's single installation suspends light and air and droplets of underground water in constant play, defining a unique. Meditative space barred from filming. Uh, it goes on, but that's pretty much the <laughs> gist.
1: It is a really long synopsis.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just it goes on for a while. Uh, so, this is a documentary, and it's, I thought that it was going to be mainly about uh, Ryan Naito and her, her art. And it is sort of, but it takes these kind of uh, sidesteps along the way which i i up until it takes those kind of side steps and follows those other people i was like really into this documentary uh just because of two things a the visuals and b the music um uh, i thought that the way that this this documentary was put together was pretty pretty great um how, yes, how they how they did a lot of things in this where you know the so the director narrates the film and when whenever she uh, asks the the subject, Ryan Naito, whenever she asks her a question, instead of having her like directly answer or have the narrator repeat what she said, they just kind of put it up in text on the screen. And I thought that that was a nice touch. I really liked that.
1: Well, and two, and also, um, like Naito doesn't like being recorded. Right. Yes. She doesn't really show up on camera at all so the way in which um nakamura kind of incorporates that into the film where it's just like takes the camera to the restaurant of what, like where they met and they discuss things it's just gave it a different like it's almost it's essentially like a talking head but just completely transformed
0: yeah and i and at first like within the first probably 15 to 20 minutes i was like this is how you do a documentary, like the the way that they presented this was something different and unique, and it was rather than just uh you know information dumps at you, it was the the documentary itself felt like a piece of art, and I love it when documentaries do that because I feel like it elevates that the genre,
1: and especially the way in which she she introduces you to this to this uh matrix installation this you know this architectural structure type thing where it's like there's no information dome it's just like kind of go in the entrance you have no idea what you're going into and then boom there it is so you get to experience it like you actually just you know you go there right and you walk into the place and when you just see it you're like what the hell <laughs> yeah like this is amazing Well,
0: the, the funny thing is that you don't get a sense at the beginning you don't get a sense of scale of how no. big it is and then eventually you they kind of pull back and there's like a wide shot and you see how big it is and you're just like whoa holy crap like
1: well yeah and huge. there's no really like
0: the, she doesn't
1: like you like you said there's no information dumps she doesn't give you that much information she doesn't give you context like the only way she really gives it to is she's just kind of utilizing the space as you're meant to is this like meditation type place where she just does that with the camera so you just kind of learn more about it as the film goes on just by her filming it you know like because at first i didn't understand the water droplets yeah i was like yeah i was
0: a little confused by that too i was like Where are they coming from? Like what's. Yeah.
1: It's just, I mean, you're initially, you're just struck with, well, that looks fantastic. Like that just looks awesome. Yeah. I really want to be there and see that in person because I have a feeling that would, like that would transfix me for like an entire day. I think I could watch that for 24 hours.
0: Well, considering the museum is just that one exhibit, I think uh, that's what they're counting on.
1: (laughs) But, you know, and then as the film goes on, you kind of get she either she either steps back to give you scale by filming the place where she gets more in depth with it, you know, takes a closer look at it so you can kind of understand how it works. It sort of builds it, you know, that all encompassing, giving you all the information in that way instead of just giving it to you all at once.
0: Right. And she I, I like that. You know the the main uh, the main hook of this is that one that matrix installation. So that's the centerpiece. But she gives this supporting information so that we can understand the mindset of of the the artist Renaito. So if we're not familiar with her work already, we can get caught up and understand like the kind of art that she does and the kind of you know her her philosophies on life. Yeah, But, again, she does it in a very kind of organic, like, natural way, and it's not just like, Ryan Naito grew up in blah 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 in this yeah, prefecture. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, it's all done in a very natural, kind of smooth way. And I, I thought that that, I really appreciated that in it, because I've seen a lot of documentaries about artists and stuff, and it's, they don't typically take that path yeah. in telling the story. And, uh, I thought that was great. And then uh, eventually I, she she does kind of this this weird thing and I understand why she was doing it, but I just I felt like it kind of uh separated me from the the documentary when she she follows around these several other women and then she kind of tells their story and then they all meet in the matrix, we'll call it. <laughs> and at first I was like, what, I don't really, I am not as invested in this other, other person. Well,
1: I did initially like the fact that it essentially it's just NATO being like, I'm I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this documentary anymore. I like, think I'm not really comfortable doing this, but you keep going. And then even, you know, not more doing the, the voiceover, he even kind of points out like, oh, I got to figure out a way to. Finish this. Yeah, because she stops corresponding with her, essentially. Which she ends up going... And she kind of just tells you straight out. She's just like, I'm trying to express how her artwork makes me feel, what it makes me experience. Which I don't know if she necessarily gets it across. I don't know if I really got a, a full like understanding or grasp of how it makes her feel. But it was interesting just to see her essentially like the the process of her trying to to get that across. Yeah. But you're right. It does it does it's definitely not as compelling as the the beginning portions of the film are.
0: I just thought the the visuals were incredible. Like just the 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 what she chose to do as kind of backdrop to you know the quotes that would go up on the or the answers to the questions and things like that that would go up on the screen and just everything, just the cinematography in general. I I loved it. I yeah. mean, I I like you know the kind of Japanese minimalist art, like where everything is very organized, very clean, and that's this. That's what this movie is. It's very clean. It's very organized. It's very minimalist, and I really really like that.
1: And I just and. Two things out of the way she shoots all the artwork. Number one is you can tell that she's just completely enamored with the artwork itself. Yeah. Because I, I have this suspicion that she probably has, like, 40 to 50 hours of footage oh, yeah. of that Matrix play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and number two is I don't think, from what I saw in this movie, I don't know if you could film that installation any better than the way in which she did. Yeah.
0: Right. Because like going back to what you said, she, she, she pulls it out to a larger scope and then she brings it in like really so close, like super close up shots of like the little, uh, like ball things that are kind of sporadically placed where the, where the water comes up through the ground so, she which, so which, she brings in, she she has, like, kind of the vast scale, but then she also brings it in for, like, the intimacy that that place can hold. And
1: then she... When, and then also, when she gets all the people to meet there, yeah. it's, the, it's the way that she kind of sets up the people within that space mm-hmm. and films them, you know, moving throughout that space. And then, you know, there's water coming from underground out of these little, like, nodules and... Just the fact that they, they're you know, that the whole, I guess the whole interior of it is completely like waterproofed, that all the water just moves around. Like I could have just watched yeah, the water. Yeah,
0: it's move. really, it's really interesting. It's, from what I understand, it's, it's a concrete structure and I guess that they just, they made it so, I don't know if they put some sort of glaze on it or something. They had to, they it, hit it, I don't know if they just slathered it in Rain-X but yeah, the, the the water just, it doesn't stick. It like instantly beads and just kind of flows through the whole, the whole structure. And then there's these giant openings in the top. So like when it rains, the rain comes in. It just looks like such an amazing place. I, I looked at, after watching this, I looked it up and was looking at kind of like aerial photos and some other photos. And it just looks like, holy crap, I want to go there so bad.
1: Yeah, it just looks amazing. It's just that one you know, and has that one string across the, mm-hmm.
0: the, the the main aperture, I guess. Yeah, that kinda just floats kind of like, Yeah, it just like floats in the in the breeze. And the whole structure is designed to look like a, a drop of water. Like the the shape of the entire thing is a drop of water. So it's like uh very uh everything's very rounded. It just looks awesome. I wanna go there. I think it's worth seeing this documentary just to see because like the synopsis says, they don't allow cameras in there. So it's for a lot of people, this is probably going to be the only time that they get to see something like this. Yeah. Because from what I understand, it's like really hard to even get there. Like you have to take a, take a ferry out to it and, and then drive for a while just to get there. Because it's like really out in the middle of nowhere on an, on this tiny island. And then the island has like a thousand people that live there. Hmm.
1: I wonder if all of them just spend their days there.
0: Now, from, from what I read, uh, the the tourist, the, the amount of tourism that that place gets is like phenomenal. Like it's huge. Because originally, the, this wasn't going to be the only thing. What they were going to do is put uh, artwork, other artwork inside of it. So, like, the structure itself was going to be the museum, and then within that structure, they were going to have additional art from different yeah. artists, but after uh, they went in and saw, you know, what it was, they were like, we're just going to leave it like this. <laughs> Don't ruin it, yeah. Because I, I think it would, it would definitely take away from the architecture itself if you had, like, Canvas paintings, you know, plastered on the on the sides. It just wouldn't.
1: No, because the emptiness is that's part of it. Into it, yeah, that's what the emptiness and the water.
0: And and that that was that's a big thing with it too is the acoustics of the place and how like the the large openings in the roof allow for kind of the nature sounds to come in and everything. I think it seems like it it would be a really kind of calming experience
1: oh my god yes it was just common to watch it on you know through my computer screen <laughs> which i don't think this is you know it's intended presentation but even when you you know reduce it down to that to that shitty presentation it's still quite powerful
0: yeah uh that being said uh the the amount of footage that was just in this one installation far outweighed pretty much anything else in the movie. So it's like, if you're not enamored with this one installation, you're going to have a tough time with this movie because that's, yeah. that's the, like I said, that's the centerpiece. That's the main draw is that yeah. one, that one thing. And huge portions of the movie just are footage of that one thing. So if you're looking for kind of a comprehensive documentary about this artist um it's this isn't going to be it i mean they they give the broad strokes about you know where she came from and her life and the type of art that she does like the little i want to buy one of those little people so bad <laughs> No, uh but um you know they talk about some of her previous uh installations and things that she did but the main focus is this is this one yeah. I wish they would have and I understand that this is mainly about uh Renaito, but I wish they would have talked about the architect a little bit more because I feel like he's as big, if not a bigger part of that specific piece. Yeah. Because I mean everything hinges on that structure. I mean, it's all about that. And I'm not even sure exactly what Renaito did in there other than the string and I think she put the little ball things in.
1: I maybe mean, she could have drew up the plans of the.
0: Did she of the structure that... itself, I and mean, then he built it. Oh, maybe, yeah.
1: Or you know, they work together. Whatever, who knows? All I know is that they made it, and hopefully, I can go there one day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. I would just like to. s I would have liked to have seen a little bit more credit given to to the guy that was the architect. But yeah, at least imagine You know, just a, a little discussion. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on a room
1: of her own? I was quite surprised by it, actually. Like I thought it would be like a decent. Yeah, document. same
0: here. Same here.
1: Because it was one of those things. That were, like the, the reason I picked it out is like you know I watched a trailer for it and I was like you know it looks pretty good and it it seems interesting and I like the artwork. Definitely looking forward to learning more about this artist. But I like you said that beginning portion of it, the way that she she structures this and goes about this documentary it's just i was really
0: surprised definitely agree uh one little nitpick this is this is more so on me but i just wish there was subtitles uh, because uh she narrates in english and there were some some portions of it where i didn't quite get yeah that. yeah i yeah. didn't quite pick up on what she was saying but that's that's more so on me but uh, so I
1: think out of everything that we watched, this one was the.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: This is just my favorite.
0: Yes, same here, same here. Now I haven't. I had there's a lot of the Japan cuts movies that I did not see. Um, I didn't have time to catch all of them, so I'm sure that there were plenty of other uh, good ones that were screening there. There were a couple that I really, that I was really interested in, and I might still try to check them out and report back on them next week or in a couple weeks or whatever. But uh, thus far, this is, this is definitely the winner for me. I agree. Uh, Let's go ahead and give this a score. A room of her own. Rain, right. Night, toe in the light. I will give it a, uh, Hmm. I'm going to give this one a seven.
1: That's kind of, I was leaning towards like a six and a half a seven. Yeah.
0: Solid, solid documentary. I, I quite enjoyed it. And again, the music uh, I liked a lot too. I thought the music choices were were quite good and fitting mm-hmm. of the visuals. Yes. Definitely fit the definitely got the mood down. Very uh sounded almost like Zigoros. That kind of bit ambient sounds. Uh all right, that does it for Japan Cuts twenty sixteen. Um pretty uh, it seems like a decent lineup, although unfortunately, the ones that we picked were not, uh, were, yeah. not were not big winners. I I like the Whispering Star a whole lot,
1: but I think it really did. I think their their centerpiece of the whole festival was the two Sonos, mm-hmm. plus the you know the documentary to kind of supplement that. And at least for me, I I didn't enjoy either Sonos. I mean, I did. I would, if I had to pick a whispering star, obviously it's a much better film, but both of them I was just kind of disappointed with.
0: Yeah. I, I liked, I liked the whispering star a whole lot. Um, but unfortunately like the documentary didn't really do it for me. And then love and peace didn't do it for me. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch every movie that happens to come out in the U S by him. Uh, cause I'll still, I'll still watch pretty much anything he does. Just because you never know, I mean it's just like like we we talked about this before, it's just like uh he's like Mieke where you you have some hits and some misses, but when you put out that many movies every year, yeah. there's gonna be some that 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 uh work for you and don't work for you, so and you
1: just gotta remember that he, he uh, you know he's an alcoholic <laughs>
0: he's just
1: trying to turn out as many
0: movies as possible his yeah, uh, yeah I mean his motto is is. Quantity over quality. So there you go. Yeah. You, know, you can't
1: can't really be mad at the guy. He tells you straight out. I'm going for quantity. Yeah. I yeah. drink a lot, so
0: uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I uh, was it you that started last week? I can't remember. Might have been. Well we took we took a week off, so I don't know.
1: No, yeah, there's so many things.
0: Well, I'll I'll start it off. I saw the bronze. This is directed by Brian Buckley. I was uh, I was really interested in this one because it looked like it, it had the same kind of vibe to me as uh, the Foot Fist Way, the uh, the Jodie Hill movie uh-huh, yeah, with yeah. Danny McBride. But instead of you know a guy who is uh, oh what was he Kung Fu I guess. But um, this was this is about a a woman who got a bronze medal. Um, in the 2004 Olympics, and this takes place, you know, 12 years later, and she's just this kind of lazy, uh, profane loser, slacker, who doesn't do anything but drink big gulps and steal mail from people. And uh, I was, so I was kind of interested in it. And um, I gotta say, wasn't that funny. Like, this movie just did not really do it for me. I don't, I don't know... It was just a big disappointment. Big disappointment. Mm-hmm. It, there were there were some moments. Uh Thomas Middle Middleditch is in it. And he's always funny. I always find him funny. Uh the main character is the, the Melissa Rauch. She's the one from uh she's from Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. And she was I mean, she was kinda of funny. Like her character was so inherently unlikable, which w- was by design. Um, that at first it was kind of endearing to see this, uh, you know, gymnast who was had such a filthy mouth and was like <laughs> such a horrible human being. Uh, that was kind of funny, but it, the shtick wore off pretty quickly. Yeah, there is a particularly <clears throat> graphic and semi funny sex scene in it too, where. Uh, she, she and another gymnast are having sex, and it's just like the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, and Gary Cole plays her dad, and he is his best friend is a goldfish. So there's that that tie in there. Wow, who knew? Who knew there would be a goldfish theme? Yeah, yeah, for this week's show. But at any rate, the bronze uh, I unfortunately cannot recommend.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a bummer. I watched um, Inside Out.
0: Oh, ah, a little Pixar action.
1: A little animated film I don't know if you've heard of. I saw it. What we like to call an indie gem. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. First thing with Inside Out, I guess the main thing that I enjoyed the most was Phyllis Smith and Richard Kind for being Sadness mm-hmm. and, and playing Bing Bong, <laughs> which just, I mean, they were so perfect for whoever did the voice casting for that. Yeah. Just nailed it. Cause they are exactly who you needed in that position. Cause man, did they make it work? And I, I, I think overall it didn't really work for me as a whole, but there was a lot of, of bits of it that I didn't enjoy a lot of like how they, how they, you know, visualized an idea, mm-hmm. you know, like when they're on the, the train of thought and they knock over the opinions and the facts and they just throw it together. And the, like the dream factory, and just you know, all these like little bits here and there it was like, oh that that's clever, that's really clever. But as as a whole, it just didn't really work for me. Cause just like the real life stuff, like when you're in her actual world and not the the inside the head world, just none of that really felt right to me. It's just really just felt really bizarre where it's just like she has one bad day at school, like a bad like four minutes. Yeah. And, she, like, everything crumbles. Yeah. Like, she loses all of her personalities. and <laughs> Holy shit. She's running away from home. And it's just like, Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the things that, that I kind of... One of the issues I had was that the, the, the stakes didn't feel nearly high enough on that and for, for and that when, to happen. And there was just,
1: like, a disconnect, too. Like, her parents they were kind of like introduced as these like fun loving parents and they're so fantastic and they're always having fun. And then they're having that dinner where she like, you know, she loses joy and the anger in them are trying to do the best they can. And just like her interaction with her dad and stuff just felt completely like out of nowhere. I was like, are these the same characters? Like what the fuck is happening here? I just, if like when it was inside her head, that all those ideas was really strong. But then everything outside of that just felt really poorly developed. It's kind of like this half and half thing.
0: Yeah. Like, like maybe if they had another shot at it. That's kind of how I looked at it too. I did, I didn't think it was anything amazing.
1: But I just you know you go through because I remember everyone like losing it. Yeah, shit for some over reason over this movie. And I'm just like, oh, like wow, this is going to be one of those. It's just. Going for the feels the whole time. I'm just like, how? I mean, like, my main question is, like, how's hockey a personality? <laughs> like, that's not hard, that's a hobby. That's not a hard personality. And I know that you're still kind of young, but that's all the personalities that you have was, like, four, which was family, friends, hockey, and goofball. Like, man, you are not a well-rounded
0: <laughs> person. Well, maybe uh, she's still growing. She's still young. She's still developing.
1: Still, you would think at that point in time you would still have a little bit more going on.
0: Yeah, I I think that they'll probably do a sequel and probably introduce more. Well, that's the beauty
1: them. of it is that you can. There's so much you can do with that premise. Yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm almost certain they'll do a sequel to that. Yeah, because you've got to do. She's gonna be older, and she,
1: well, and they set it up too yeah. with the big red button for puberty, and yep. like I don't, I don't know what that is. And yeah, you know, once you get the hormones in there, everything's going to go fucking crazy. Yep,
0: yep. It's, they're they're definitely going <laughs> to mine that, mine that property for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that's Inside Out. I saw a movie called The Blackout Experiments. This came out uh, this weekend on VOD. Uh, didn't uh, actually. I think it came out last weekend. Um, at any rate, this is a documentary about. The There's this There's a thing called Blackout um, And I don't know if you've heard of it But they, they do it in New York and they do it in LA And I don't know if they do it in any other cities But it's basically like An extreme Horror experience Like an extreme haunted house Okay Where, uh, And, and I heard about this before, before uh, I, heard, I saw the documentary Where you, you have to like It's sort of like the game but like a real version of the game where you have yeah. to sign all these releases and stuff and you have to go to this place at a random time and you essentially get kidnapped and you you witness this like horror experience where the the people are they're allowed to touch you, they're allowed to like grab you and like throw you and like do things to you like f- like physically uh like strangle you bags over your head <laughs> and like, it's all designed to be this kind of like extreme horror experience and you have to like, you know, sign all this paperwork and stuff before you commit to doing it. And, uh, the documentary basically follows these, I think it's like f- maybe four people that sign up for it and kind of just documents their experience with it. And I, th- I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I was just kind of interested to see how this this thing works and maybe what happens. But a lot of it's like kind of reenactments and a lot of it's like, it's not like a horror experience and more of like an extreme therapy session. So like when you first sign up, you have to fill out all these questionnaires about like, you know, very personal things about you, like hang-ups and like, things that you struggle with in your life and yeah. stuff like that. So they kind of tailor fit the experience for that. So like the the one guy had obsessive compulsive disorder. So they targeted that. So it's, it's more, it's less of a horror thing and more of a therapy thing. Yeah. And for some reason that just didn't, didn't Th- do it for through- me. Yeah. <laughs> therapy through horror. And it, and, it, and it was just, like, these people, these are all, like, you know, privileged white people with too much money, you know, paying to have somebody fake kidnap them and put a bag over their head and, like, give them fake tattoos and, like, you know, rough them up a bit so that they can get over their fear of abandonment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me.
1: Sounds ridiculous.
0: I mean the the concept of blackout, I think, could be interesting, but what the documentary was going for, and just the quality of the documentary, was not very good either. Uh, it's just uh, yeah, not too interesting. But if you want to see it, it's called the Blackout Experiments, and it is uh, I rented it on iTunes. I, I don't know if it's available on Amazon or not. Okay,
1: I watched a lot of populist movies. Turns out. Because I also watched 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh-oh. i tell you what, this is a good Friday night movie, I gotta say. After a hard day of work, come home with some beers, pop on some 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, boy. I bet you liked it, didn't you? Fucking twists and turns all over the yeah. goddamn place. I mean, a lot of them were pretty telegraphed, but... Either way, I, there's I,
0: there are some genuine surprises in that.
1: But yeah, there are, and I gotta say that I was pretty impressed with the, especially towards the end. Like I, the the commitment to just to keep you know up in it and turn it into something else was pretty. I appreciated that. I gotta say,
0: yeah, because uh, because you knew because you knew that there was a tie-in to Cloverfield. Like you knew that there was something there, something bigger. Than this kind of isolated, yeah, almost kidnap story. But how far they went with it—that was the surprise. It's like, oh damn! Like this is like we're we're entering like you know big budget blockbuster territory here at the end. Yeah, And that was the surprise for me. Yeah, I thought that it was just going to be a little glimpse of something, you know, and that was going to be it. But they they commit. Yeah, because it kind of you know with a title like this
1: obviously you think there's the tie in with cloverfield right so the whole beginning portion of this film where it's like oh is is there actually something going on or is she just kidnapped down here what's happening it's like you kind of already know you know what i mean right yeah so like to play that out was kind of like okay like i think we
0: already know the answer to this though cuz pretty much told us unfortunately i think that was a marketing tactic because yeah, yeah. i think that if you didn't know like if it didn't have the title 10 Cloverfield Lane no I mean, it wouldn't people it, are that saying. Like a lot of people said the title is the biggest spoiler in the whole movie and i yeah. i completely agree with that if this was named something else like i don't know 10 Shady Lane or something it's fucking <laughs> bunker just called yeah, just called bunker like you would you would have no idea so when that when that finale hits you just be you you'd be like jaw drop you know it'd be like holy crap what is going on here
1: because the beginning portion of it is it it does kind of throw even though you know the answer i'm trying to think of you know like if you didn't have that information going into it that would play out really well there would be a shit ton of tension with him her being there you know chained up and what is the relationship between goodman's character and gallagher you know gallagher's character you know what the hell's going on there and how does she play into this? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what are they planning? That type of thing that would all work out so well.
0: Right. But you're right. You know, the spoiler, the thing, you just, you know, yeah, you know that there is something out there. And now that's unfortunate because there was actually a large portion of the movie was her trying to figure out if there was something out there or not because of the whole, what was it? A goat or something that was tied up outside. Yeah. And, so you never really knew if, like, oh, did, was it something out there that did that? Or did he do it? Or did is, is he working with someone out there? Yeah. So the, there were all these questions, but because of the title, you you knew. <laughs> of course there's something out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, some of the stuff you just had to kind of, you know, suspend belief. Because like when they start doing their whole like gathering supplies within the bunker to create their little you know their costumes and stuff. I'm just thinking like this bunker is not that fucking big. Right, yeah, like yeah. how are you doing? that? <laughs> like you're making a shit ton of noise. Right. Right. He knows all movements. Come on. It's a bit ridiculous. But there are some genuine uh, surprises that I do- I was not expecting.
0: I wasn't expecting the thing with John Callagher Jr. No. I see no, what it I was, didn't. but I didn't I didn't see that coming at yeah, all. That was a surprise. There's going to be, um, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with escape rooms? Have you heard of a, the whole escape room thing? Um, no, I don't think so, so. what? what escape rooms are is they're basically um, things set up where a group of people, like a group of your friends, go to it and you're, you're locked in a room and you have to try to figure out a way to get out. And they're setting up an escape room that's based on 10 Cloverfield Lane. So they're recreating the bunker. Yeah, and so you and your friends have to go in. You get locked in, and you have to figure out a way to escape the bunker. What? It's just. It sounds awesome. It sounds like a lot of fun. I don't. People are
1: weird, man.
0: Escape rooms are cool as shit. That's
1: just that
0: does not sound fun to me. You have to like work together to like solve the like solve the puzzles and try to. Find like the combination to get out of the room, or the key, or whatever it may be. It's like a game.
1: That's a messed up game I don't want to be locked in a room
0: with people. Well, well, you're you're being watched. Like they have cameras set up. So, um, and then from what I, I I know, people that have done them, I've never done one. But from what I understand, um, they give you like a whiteboard, and if you need a hint or something, like if you can't figure out the next clue or puzzle piece or whatever, you write like, hint on a whiteboard and, and show it to the camera, and yeah. they'll get on, like, a loudspeaker and give you a hint. It sounds really cool. We were going we to do one, a, a bunch of um, my coworkers were going to get together and do one, but uh, we haven't worked it out yet. But the 10 Cloverfield guess- Lane one sounds like it'd be pretty cool.
1: Because it's, a, it's like a team building. Yeah, thing. yeah.
0: Co- companies use it as like a team yeah. building thing. But there's... They have like big ones. Like there's one here in New York that's in a theater. Like it's an, an old abandoned movie theater. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. I would never do that. I would never do that. Just I'm just letting people know now. If you're like, damn, you think Kevin would be interested in doing this escape room thing? Don't fucking ask me. Not interested. <laughs> just a heads up. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> are you done with Ten Cloverfield Lane? I'm, I'm done. All right. I saw Batman: The Killing Joke. This is the uh, R-rated animated Batman movie that's based on the uh, very famous graphic novel of the same name. This is my favorite of the Batman stories. Actually, this is the one where the Joker shoots Barbara Gordon in the spine and paralyzes her. Uh, hmm. unfortunately the the uh animated version just doesn't work. It's not no. very good. What? Um like all of the kind of emotional heft that was in the graphic novel because it's I mean it is it like it's a very emotionally driven story. It's 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 a tough read um because it's just absolutely horrible what happens in it. Uh, they—I don't know—for some reason, it's very muted in the animated version. Like, it just doesn't have that much weight to it. And there's like one thing that happens in the beginning. I'm just gonna flat out say because I think that a lot of people are talking about it. But Batman has sex with Barbara Gordon at the beginning of the movie, and uh, like it's like on a rooftop. They're in costume, and he just totally—they totally do it. And uh, he's just—he's
1: wearing the Batman costume. Yeah. how's that work though is that just like the top portion of the costume and the pants are down frankly I just I don't know in the costume like a pair of boxers or something
0: I'm guessing she pulls something down like she probably pulls because I'm assuming that the pants are separate from the the shirt and she probably undoes the belt and then just rips the pants Mm -hmm. down to expose the genitals (laughs) uh what a way to either either way uh it felt really weird and unnecessary and i don't know why it was there <laughs> um and but other than that it was a uh, pretty dull um uh, it's which is a shame because they got all the original uh animated series voices back like mark hamill was the joker and kevin conroy was batman and bruce wayne um uh, ray wise played commissioner gordon that was a interesting choice. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, this one just didn't work. I almost nodded off while I was watching it. I just was not into it. <clears throat> so I, I would recommend if you're into the killing joke or want to know about this story, one of the one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. And it also dives into one of the possible origin stories of the Joker, too. Um yeah. I would recommend reading the graphic novel. It's short it's not long at all. It's like i think the equivalent of maybe a six issue arc so it's yeah. it's a really quick read and uh yeah avoid the, the animated one
1: mm, 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 mm. um I got to see this is the first time I've ever done this. I got to see an old movie in the uh in the theater setting what so I went to the Strand Capital to see Jaws. Oh man, you lucky asshole! Uh, first off, the seats there are the—they're
0: horrible. The, oh, the fold up, the, the classic fold up theater seats. Well, it's
1: been—it's been such a long time since I've been there, and um, the leg room. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like I'm trying to remember like when the Strand Capital was built, like when that what that time period would have been but I don't know if everyone was just like really fucking short when they like during that time period, when they built that place. Cause the leg room is, it's essentially like only comfortable for people that are like three feet tall. (laughs)
0: Because there is no room yeah, for your legs you, whatsoever. The, knee, the knees are up against the, the ba- oh my back of the... Like, a, I couldn't even...
1: There's not enough, and I'm not <laughs> fucking kidding. I'm not exaggerating or anything. There wasn't enough room that I could even put my feet flat in front of me <laughs> and sit. Like, it was, it was impossible. Like, my feet were too big. Like, that's how much leg room we're talking here. So, but it was cool. You know, you had the whole, like they had the guy playing the organ before the show and he was like playing the Jaws thing, the theme and everything. He's doing the soundtrack. And then, you know, the the organ goes down into the floor and it comes on and everyone's, it was like a packed house and everyone was having fun. Um, It was really, it was, it was really fun you know to see and it's been it's such a long time since i've seen jaws so a lot of it was kind of like seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. like i know the i know the like broad strokes of it you know like the big scenes like when they would come up i'm like oh yeah i remember how this plays out okay
0: Well, things but that make jaws amazing
1: though yeah but like everything in between all that kind of stuff i pretty much had forgotten about and it was fun to like this time around to put a lot of Attention on the mayor because of the Ghostbusters joke <laughs> of how you know never compare me to the mayor of Jaws. So it was really it was really locked in on how he handled every situation, and now I understand Andy Garcia like why he was so um, he was so pissed off about being compared to him as it made a lot more sense this time around. And I gotta say, like the effects work for 1975, pretty great, weren't they? Holy shit, yeah. they still hold up, yeah, man.
0: They do.
1: And I gotta say, I forgot that one of the victims is a small kid. Yeah, because when that happened, I was like, I don't remember a kid
0: getting eaten. Yeah, and that movie is um, rated PG. Yeah, just like what the fuck. And and the the other thing that surprised me rewatching this, I when I got the, uh, I don't know, if, I don't know which anniversary it was, but I got the Blu-ray where it was remastered. Was the amount of blood? Like I forgot about the amount of blood in this movie yeah there's a lot of blood
1: but you also the the thing that you can definitely see the the change in blocks blockbusters then in blockbusters now where there in all actuality in Joels there's not a lot happening
0: oh no a lot of it was set up a lot of it was character um, yeah development it's
1: just almost an entire setup for the main showdown and then that main showdown just takes forever but in a good way. Right. Like they really draw out the this, this suspense yeah. and the tension and everything. And you're never really quite sure how it's going to go. I mean, it's just completely different. Yep. Well, now it's just like action, 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 destroy as many buildings as fucking
0: possible. It's funny though, because Jaws is what started the summer blockbuster. I mean, that's, that's one of the films that started that whole trend. And it was like, as time went on, it was like they stripped out like just the just certain scenes of those movies and like extended them for two and a half hours. And it's like yeah, you know, it's like they took out all the good stuff, all the the stuff that made it a good film, like the character development and like just the town itself. You know, like the whole the 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 Amity thing. It just it felt like a real town. I mean, it yeah. it was like I think he used like a lot of locals and stuff when filming that, but. It just, well, uh... I
1: mean, it's just also fun too because, like, I root for the shark in this movie because I have this like thing about people that get like attacked by sharks. Like, I don't feel bad for it. So I'm just like, get them. Shark. And it's just so ridiculous the way that they, like, that's like this kind of fucked up sharks. <laughs> like, it gave sharks a reputation. And it's like, they're not like this fucked up sharks for a long time because people are like, oh, this is how sharks are
0: yeah 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 it's
1: like we're fucking sharks man
0: what i'm wondering is because this movie came out before we were born so i'm wondering if before jaws if like what it was like before jaws were people i just don't i don't think
1: no i just don't think people really even knew anything about sharks they're just kind of like oh sharks are man you don't fuck with sharks yeah, that could be. it could be. But now, like this movie comes on, and it's like sharks are just crazy. They go into <laughs> shallow water and they just start fucking eating everything. And they're, and they're enormous too. And they're fucking geniuses. Like they will toy with you for days. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, is like, a psychopathic shark.
0: I love Charles. I'm gonna have to see if uh, they're gonna be doing any screenings of that.
1: But well, this and this is like around here, at least. And I'm sure it's a like a lot of places. Like they're always playing Jaws. Like this has to be like one of the biggest. I know. Mean, I guess you would call it a repertory. Yeah. Type thing. Like they're always playing Jaws. Like every week, this Jaws is playing somewhere around here.
0: I think. Uh, I think Rocky Horror probably still has a beat. But. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that one, I don't think. Any any day of the week, you want to go see Rocky Horror, you can see it. Find <laughs> somewhere showing it. Remember, they used to play that in Dallas Town? Like every every week, they'd play that in, at the Dallas Theater.
1: Yeah, that was the only thing that kept the Dallas Theater <laughs> open.
0: Uh, all right. Because well,
1: who knew Dallas Town had that many Ryan? I know, it's weird, isn't it? Because I went one time. I don't know why. I don't know how, why I was even there or who I went with. But I just remember I was so confused by it because it was fucking packed. Yeah. And everyone was doing a thing, you know, where they're yelling at stuff. And the bread. But yeah, it's yeah. just like I had no idea what it was. I didn't
0: understand any of it. Yeah, it's a it's a bizarre thing. I, one of my friends, uh, Adam, who you know is he's really into going to Rocky. Like he dresses up and everything. Like he, I don't know why he he got the Rocky Horror bug. <laughs> but I don't. I'm not. I'm not a big. Fan. I don't like the movie, and I think that's just that's that's the barrier of entry for me is that I just don't like the movie. Yeah. Maybe. Uh the only other movie that I saw was uh called Lace Crater, directed by Harrison Atkins. This is okay. uh stars Lindsay Burge. Uh Joe Swanberg's in there for a scene. All right. Uh basically it's about a group of friends that they go to one of their parents' houses in the the Hamptons for a weekend and the Lindsay Burgess character decides that she wants to stay in the coach house, which is separate from the main house, and she gets drunk one night and does some, what I would assume is MDMA, smokes some smoke some weed, so she's a little, little messed up. She goes mm-hmm. in, and I guess she went through a pretty bad breakup recently, and so she's a little vulnerable, and she ends up meeting a ghost. And... She has a long conversation with this ghost. His name's Michael, and then she ends up having sex. She's she has ghost sex, and a couple days later, she's not feeling well. She's been sick, and she goes to the doctor, and they run some tests, and they say, "Well, you have an STD," and she's not, and they're, they're not sure what kind of STD it is yet. Like, oh
1: shit, it's some unknown ghost STD. Yes, it
0: is. It is a ghost STD. So, it's sort of a comedy, but it's also sort of this kind of psychological horror because it kind of messes with her mind. Like, she starts seeing things and really weird stuff starts to happen and starts to affect her her behavior. And then, then it kind of turns into this body horror thing because she starts waking up covered in ooze, like ectoplasm. <sighs> and... She starts vomiting this like black stuff, and then this black stuff starts coming out of her vagina area, and it's just, uh, it's no good. It's no bueno.
1: Now, is it, is it like, uh, is it, what was that, contracted? Contracted, maybe? yeah. Where so, she's just like, oh, black stuff,
0: whatever. Yeah, so, going about her death. yeah. The interesting thing about this one is that this is a lot like contracted, whereas like contracted, it was she had sex with a zombie, and in this one, she has sex with a ghost. Both have similar outcomes, but in this one, she goes to the doctor right away. Like she, she is not messing around. She immediately goes to the doctor, and she gets these like antibiotics and stuff. But it doesn't help at all. Oh well, yeah,
1: because I mean it's a ghost. Episode. Yeah, you can't combat that shit.
0: And the, so the doctor tells her get a lot of rest, drink a lot of fluids. You know, just kind of lay, just lots of rest. And she she does that. But it yeah. doesn't help.
1: Yeah, hell no. It's a disease from another dimension. Yeah. Come on. So... can help that shit.
0: So th- th- this is significantly better than Contracted. Although, other than th- those comparisons that I just drew, it's not the same type of movie. This is... It's pretty much a mumblecore movie. I mean, there's a lot of kind of long extended scenes where it's people just... You know, it's 20-somethings having conversations um there's a lot of kind of relationship things that are happening in this like the the guy that she likes one of her best friends likes also so there's all this kind of added stuff in there on top of the fact that she has contracted this ghost std and so it's a really interesting movie uh i i, I kind of liked it i I think i probably would recommend checking this one out if you're if you're into. The American Indie, uh, and you might might want to give it a look because it's it's really interesting. And when she first meets the ghost and just the, their interaction, it's pretty funny. Like when she first meets him, she drops her beer, and he's like, he's like, oh, uh, I, I think there's some paper towels over there. Let me let me go ahead and clean that up for you. And then they cut to him on his hands and knees cleaning up the beer she spilled with paper towels. <laughs> And it's funny because he wears this like all burlap suit thing, like his whole body's covered in burlap, so he's really creepy looking. But just to see him on his hands and knees dabbing up spilled beer is funny.
1: It is intriguing because it's directed by the guy that did a short film called "A uh, Blissful Ban- Banquet," which I think played on No Budget last year or the year before, mm-hmm. which was a really bizarre short.
0: Yeah. He also did Chocolate Heart which I believe I actually reviewed that on the site. And oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. And that was a that was also a short film that was really interesting and had like a really really cool visual style. Um his it's about a guy who kind of falls for this girl but he never he doesn't really know how to interact with people because his parents turned into cats. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if uh, I don't know, I don't know if Chocolate Heart because I I reviewed it for a festival, but um, if it's available on like Vimeo or something, I would recommend. It's only like seven minutes long. I might have to search. Yeah, for I, I would recommend checking out Chocolate Heart because I gotta seek that out. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this guy is definitely someone who I'm going to be looking, keeping an eye out for because i think he's got some really interesting strange ideas just off the wall yeah but uh anything else on your end i have one thing i just
1: i wanted to mention that there's a new website called connect the website is actually like connect.media it's started by uh, Isaac goes and kurt walker two like experimental filmmakers so their first uh their first program came out so it looks like they're gonna do I don't know if it's always gonna be like four films for the month or whatever but their July program came out I ended up writing three reviews for yes, three right. out of the four three out of the four which I gotta say for like the first program of their their website pretty fantastic what they put out so far uh, really excited about this the if you're wondering why I did not write a review of the other one that is because initially I thought I first saw it and I'm like, oh, it's only like three hours long. I'll I'll get around to it. But then I realized that it's it's a bunch of different parts. The first part's three hours, the second part's like two and a half hours. <laughs> and what it's it's actually and in August the other parts will come on. It's a 24 hour long movie. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And there's no visuals. It's just sounds. Uh... And I'm not doing that. No. Just I'm not no nope, it's not happening. Okay. Not doing it. I can watch so many other movies in that time period instead of looking and the screen doesn't change. It's just because I gave it I you know, I gave it a shot, like, oh maybe there are some visual No. It's just it's just sounds. So what is it which, black? Black screen? It's or just black? it just says the title of what that portion like the first one is Trust and Betrayal, I think, or maybe that's like the second one or whatever. So it'll just say those words on the screen the entire time. You know, so for like two and a half hours you you hear st- like dialogue that Mm. goes along with that theme.
0: So I I would say maybe, maybe that's better left to like download it to your phone or something and listen to it on the way to work. You know, like one of those things, like a podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's 24 hours that I'm not doing that. sounds like an audio book. Yeah. I'm not doing it. But the other three, the other three, and I got, uh, out of those three ocean falls, which uh, they're all, you know, one was like 35 minutes, 25 minutes, and Ocean Falls, I think, was like 13 minutes. And uh, I thought that Ocean Falls was the best of the bunch. Hmm. So I would, I would definitely suggest checking that out that website if you're into experimental cinema.
0: And what's it called? Kinet? Kinet?
1: Yeah, K-I-N-E-T. Kinet.media?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, check, check that out. Uh um I'll I'll uh, keep an eye out for those as well. Uh all right, let's talk about some predictions. So we took the week off last week, so uh we'll go over last week's and then I'll just kinda read off some of the uh the scores from, from the movies that came out this week. Uh Ice Age Collision course, you said sixty, I said fifty eight, actual twelve. Yikes. Mm. People are done mm. people are done. They're officially done with the Ice Age I'm movies. Sick so and tired of that fucking acorn. Scrat. Uh, Star Trek Beyond. You said 72. I said 68. Actual 83. Wow. Yeah. Heard nothing but great things about that one. So, didn't get a chance to check that out yet. Lights Out. You said 82. I said 42. Actual 76. So, it looks like you were right on that one. That was a hit. That one. That one one was a hit. They're already working on a sequel for that one. I want to see it so bad. And I just haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. It looks so scary. Pretty excited. Um, What what came out this week? Let's look at some numbers for this week. Jason Bourne uh, got a 56%. Bad Moms got a 63%. Nerve, which came out on Wednesday for some reason, got a 56%. We have a review for that up on the site, as well as Bad Moms. Uh, I should also mention that we do have a review for Lace Crater up. One of our new writers, Ken. Can um, lace crater actually? Yeah, Ken. Ken did a review for Lace Crater. I think he gave it a six and a half or a six, something like that. What did he give it? Uh, of course, I don't have it up on my screen. Blake gave uh, Blake gave Bad Moms a seven. Uh, Ken gave Lace Crater a seven, and then Blake gave Nerve a six. Mm. Yeah. Next week. We have Suicide Squad. It's a biggie.
1: Oh, God. Thank God. I'm so sick of hearing about this fucking movie.
0: I'm pretty excited to see it. Uh, I hope... I, I really, really hope that it's good. I think it's going to be garbage. I just It just looks so fucking nauseating. I'm going to say 68 on that. I'm going to say f- 52. All right. We also have nine lives. <laughs> Is this about cats? This would be a cat movie. It's
1: shit. It is a cat movie. Oh,
0: are you fucking kidding me? It is a movie about Kevin Spacey turning into a cat.
1: Wait, is he <laughs> plays Kevin Spacey and he turns into a
0: cat? No, I mean he uh, he plays like a I don't know like a,
1: That'd be great if it was like a being John Malkovich type thing. Oh no, that, Spacey, that would the be actor.
0: Now see, that would be amazing. But no, I think and
1: then he tries to make it as a fucking cat actor. See that right there? That's a better movie.
0: Uh it's such a better movie. I think he plays like some kind of Wall Street guy or something or some, some...
1: It says he's a Daredevil billionaire. I don't know what that means.
0: Uh, okay, well. <laughs> uh this one looks absolutely atrocious. What are you thinking on it? Wow.
1: Zero. <laughs> it can't get anything higher than a zero, can it? Uh
0: I'm gonna say t I'm gonna say ten. It just—it looks so terrible. It just reminds me of that uh a talking cat movie, <laughs> uh, which I, which I have yet to give Ryan to watch. Maybe I will this week. You have to because it's oh because perfect. Lives, yeah, it's
1: perfect. You have to do it. Just give him nine lives too. Give him both.
0: <laughs> it's a double feature.
1: Uh, God, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, limited release next week actually I don't know if this is getting a wide release or not because it got all it got all messed up but The Little Prince comes out now. yeah what what happened there because I remember that this it, kept getting pushed back, yeah, pushed back this is coming out
1: on Netflix
0: yeah it had distribution I can't remember who was putting it out but then they dropped it like a week before it was supposed to hit theaters they dropped it now I don't understand I've seen this movie and it's fantastic like I don't I just don't get it. Um but it's a great it's a great little family film and I definitely recommend it. Uh it has a ninety-five percent as of now on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, it looks
1: it looks good.
0: Yeah. It, it's great. It's it's really good. I don't know why they dropped it. But uh Little Men comes out, that's the new Iris Sachs uh movie with Greg Kinnear. Uh looks okay. A family, family drama. Uh, let's see what else. Amateur Night, starring Jason Biggs. Let me go ahead and say no. <laughs> uh, Hard to go on that one. A movie called Sunchoke that I'm slightly interested in. Uh, the Mind's Eye. This is a new one from the uh, the director that did. Um, oh shit! What was that movie that came out? That was like a low budget version of the thing. Uh the director's name's Joe Bagos. This one this one looks interesting. I'm I'm into this one. It's it's definitely got that kind of 80s throwback horror vibe to it. Um almost human, I believe was the name of the the last one he did. I wasn't a huge fan of that one, but I liked I liked the idea behind it. Um what else do we have? Uh that's pretty much it.
1: Did you mention little men?
0: Yeah, I just said that. The Irish Sox okay. One. okay, sorry. Jeez.
1: So talented. So, I'm still reading up on Nine <laughs> Lives, dude. I'm sorry. Mm. This cat is using markers. Cat can even use markers, dude. What a genius cat. Fucking. This cat's got an IQ of Kevin Spacey. <laughs> an IQ of <laughs> Kevin
0: Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing.
1: I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because he decided to be in a movie called Nine yeah, Lives. I don't,
0: I don't know about that.
1: I don't know if you had to choose between an IQ of Kevin Spacey or a regular cat's IQ. <laughs> what would you pick? Because I think, like, I'd probably go with the cat because then I wouldn't make career decisions like Nine Lives. Yep. Yep.
0: True story. Uh <laughs> On VOD next week, on Tuesday, August 2nd, we have Can We Take a Joke? That's a documentary about comedy, stand-up comedy, and how serious people are when it comes to doing stand-up about taboos and politically incorrect stuff. Um, Sunchoke. And then Friday, August 5th, we have The Mind's Eye, Five Nights in Maine, and The Dwarvenot, which I think is a documentary about a cosplayer or something like that. Mm. And yeah, I don't not so sure about that one. Next week on Blu-ray, this is for August second. We got Puerto Ricans in Paris. No, nah, not uh, not gonna recommend that one. Oh, uh Viral, which is a found footage horror film from the. I think it's also from the guys that did. Yeah. It's from Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman, the guys who did Catfish, and they also did mm. that Nerve movie that just came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Laser Team, that's the rooster teeth comedy that uh, looked pretty bad. Saving Mr. Woo, uh, Meet the Blacks, that's the one with Mike Epps. Uh eh, what else? That's pretty much it. Keanu comes out. Oh, I'll check that one out, because I didn't get a chance to see that in theaters. Yeah. Uh Batman the Killing Joke, Manhattan Night, that one with Adrian Brody that just kind of appeared and then disappeared.
1: Like most Adrian
0: yeah. Brody projects. Yeah, what whatever, whatever what happened to him, man? He, he fell. Everyone
1: off. everyone realized that he's an ass on, he's annoying as shit. And they're just like, you
0: know what? Let's stop working with this guy. Yeah, I guess. Uh the lobster comes out. I definitely recommend that one. The bronze bite, which I don't recommend. And uh, that's uh, pretty much it. What do we have uh, as far as Criterions next week?
1: Uh, zero since Nine Lives is coming out. You can't fuck with
0: that. Ooh. They they know what's up. They're, they're keeping the yeah. calendar clear for Nine Lives.
1: You've got to. You've got to.
0: Smart. Very smart.
1: Ain't you know we're going to be spending money on Criterions. They're going to be spending money on Nine Lives tickets.
0: Going to see it multiple times. Probably see like it again four. for the first time. <laughs> oh God! I love the world alright I think that that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a minute take a look at our patreon page patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber Kevin Rakestraw my name is Adam Patterson we'll see you next week
1: you thinking that it's done that we can continue, but that garage door has to go down. Come back down. It's gotta come back down. It's gotta pull the car out, hit that button. And then the whole house will shake like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> fucking loud ass garage doors. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take the whole fucking it like it almost it like it's, it feels it's as though it sticks to the ground so when it comes up there's this like huge like shake like it's being ripped from the earth
0: <laughs> like the earth like grew around it <laughs> mm-hmm.